wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for February 3rd, 2015. I am your host, the most, Graham Jesus Matthews, and while we are originally intended to go live today, um, due to an impending snowstorm for the second straight week, we had to do it in podcast form, but never fear. We have an awesome interview today, the biggest yet in WrestleRant Radio history, sitting down with former WWE creative writer and executive producer of Lucha Underground, the hit new TV show on El Rey Network, Wednesday nights at 8. Chris Joseph. we had a great conversation talking about his time in the WWE, his vision for Lucha Underground, bringing in the talent, their long-term goals, and everything else in between. It was a great conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy it too. So today's show is going to be broken up into two different parts. The first part is that interview. The second part is RJ and I, for the first time since maybe mid-December, it's been a long time, that RJ on the show, RJ and I talk about the current state of WWE, everything else that's going on since um, the last time we talked here on the show, um, talking about NXT, Raw, Fastlane, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, and everything else in between. So that's great conversation too, so you'll hear a brief Uh, Kind of a cut between the interview and that, going on the phone talking to RJ about the current state of WWE. So it's a stacked show today, hope you guys enjoy it, but like I said earlier, hopefully we'll be back on track by next Tuesday to get back on EC Radio for a live show at live365.com backslash stations backslash ECTV73, our first live show in nearly two months, it's been that long due to all the snow and everything else, uh, winter break, so a lot of uh, delays and whatnot, but next week we should be back on track, but in the meantime, enjoy my interview with Krista Joseph and my conversation with RJ. Welcome back, folks. Graham Jason Matthews here about to interview former WWE creative writer and executive producer of Lucha Underground, Krista Joseph. How's it going today, Chris? Hey, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely no problem. My first question for you, of course, Lucha Underground is something unlike anything else in the world of wrestling right now, anything unlike you would see in WWE, TNA, and you would know because you used to work for WWE, like I said before, as a creative writer, so you would know firsthand. But um, before we get into any of that, my, my first question for you would, of course, be, what was the initial vision for Lucha Underground going in as the executive producer, and how did you get involved with it initially? Uh, well, I, you know, I worked at WWE for like six plus years um, on the creative team, seven years total. And uh, I moved to LA, I was working on some reality shows and uh, one had asked me for my resume and said that Mark Burnett was doing a show and, and, and traditionally when you're out here working in, in, in this business, you freelance and you go from job to job, show to show. So I just figured out oh, it was another Mark Burnett reality show and I was excited to possibly be involved in it. And, uh, and I found out that they were trying to do a wrestling show, and uh, it was like two worlds collided for me. Um, you know, the best reality producer in the world, and <laughs> uh, and uh, wrestling. So it was. It kind of ended up being uh, uh, a, a match made in heaven. Um, and then, as far as like you know, the planning stages. I mean, it started with you know uh, a lot of people had had different ideas on 
um, on what it was. I know that Mark and, and Mark Burnett and Robert Rodriguez had a vision of, of, of what the show was going to be and how how they wanted to present Lucha Libre um, in America. And, uh, and Lucha Underground was born. And, and uh, you know, there's lots of things uh, and input that I had, obviously, uh, coming from... Uh, WWE and from wrestling, I, I had some experience where um, other people were, you know, not as experienced, but we also had, had AAA involved, so with Dorian Rodan, um, his input, um, you know, Conan with, with, with as far as, you know, talent, things like that, uh, they were very influential in, in, in setting this thing up, and then, uh, you know, Robert's team and the LRA Network wanted to have, uh, you know, their been on it and uh, kind of make this uh, a much different show and different than the regular old wrestling show you see that's out there and, and you know wanted to uh, make it feel like a Robert Rodriguez uh, show or movie and, and at the same time uh, you know the Burnett people um, have you know produced some of the best television shows in the world so uh, it just uh this all kind of came together and it was uh, months and months of work uh, but then uh, you know we, we decided to, to run with the format and run with each underground and, and try to do things differently. And as a reality show, too, because not always do wrestling and reality always mix. And people think of, because uh, I know in NXT, you know, years ago, before it was the developmental territory, it was supposed to be like a reality-like show, and obviously that didn't pan out. Total Divas, too, is something like, oh, that's not reality, that's scripted. But this is something that's completely different. It's not really, it is a reality show, and it has those reality aspects to it. And that's what yeah, kind of adds... Really isn't, though. This is more of a, a television drama. <laughs> exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's why I think... Uh, it's a little bit different uh, from 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 reality. It's it's uh, you know we have backstage scenes that are that are you know shot like movies and uh, and, and and wrestling that's, that's uh, colorful and different and wild and crazy and, and uh, you know cool characters and and they have a commitment to telling long term storylines and telling good storylines. Exactly, and that's what kind of those backstage segments kind of add to, and the way that you guys open the show, not with like your typical, not to like bash WWE or anything, but you see on Monday Night Raw, you know, it's so formulaic, you have your authority promo, and you know when they're going to cut to commercial and stuff like that, like you guys don't cut to commercial during the middle of your matches and stuff like that, that's what makes it different than your typical wrestling show, and that was my next question for you as well, in terms of, with the reality aspect and the, and the things that you guys do differently than WWE, TNA, every other, other product that's out there, do you guys strive to kind of be an alternative or is that just kind of the way it works out? Uh, you know, I don't think we... I think when we started this show, we, our goal was to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and and create a more compelling show, wrestling show, than, than what's out there. And, and that was our goal. That still is our goal. Uh... And, and you know, really, our goal is to, is to entertain fans and create new fans, and, and also, you know, give Lucha Libre not only Lucha Libre fans but wrestling fans uh, an alternative and give them them something that, that, that's pretty neat that they can get in on the ground floor and, uh, and have fun with. 
And along with Lucha Underground, NXT is one of those shows, like it's only an hour format, it's not three hours, not two hours, not a lot to digest, it's quick, it's simple, it's easy to watch, it's fun, and uh, like NXT, like there's a lot of rumors that it's, you know, the creative team only compromised of only a couple people and stuff like that. How was the creative side of Lucha, uh, Lucha Underground kind of handled? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there are three members of that, that, you know, me included, <laughs> that, that, you know, um, write the scripts and book the matches, and, uh, you know, obviously we have to run these storylines and, and things like that through, through fast higher-ups, like our executive producer, Eric Van Wagner, he, uh, you know, everything goes through him, but, uh, you know, and then through also to the, to the L Ray Network and, 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 and their people, but, you know, um, you know, the greater vision was signed off on, and, and then and then we just tried to execute, uh, you know, show by show by show, and, uh, and, and and tell good stories. Um, I do think it's a lot simpler uh, to work in the environment that we have at the Underground uh, as a creative person, um, as opposed to the WWE, because I don't know, they are a little less restrictive than the things that we do, and. and and, and trust our ideas and trust our instincts and um, that has been extremely beneficial at the same time we have a team of a lot of creative people so people are always offering their input and and, and making changes like I mean you know ideas we get ideas from everybody I mean um, our editors our producers um, talent uh, everybody's in, actively involved in trying to make this show the best it can be because I I know necessarily something that I write may not be the best thing, but when a few different people sometimes chime in, you can sometimes find a better uh, a better way to do it. And, and that's cool. Whereas uh, at the WWE, it's, it's all, um, you're living that life on the road, and it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then, uh, you know, everything's channeled through, you know, events, and it's all micromanaged, and, and you know, sometimes a, a talent you know, you could have plans for, but something stupid happens on the road in a house show or something like that, and then you have to change your plans for that because that talent isn't fitting in with a locker room or whatever it may be. It's uh, it, it, it's always something different there. I always found that that that, that can uh, that can change course. Where uh, here we're we're committed to, to telling long term storylines. Obviously, we have to. You know, it's it's, it's uh, professional wrestling. And, people get injured and, and things like that and sometimes things don't work so you do have to make make changes but uh, you know um, we had a long term vision that we set in when we first started and, and, and that's going to continue to be our goal and having experience in that field as a former creative writer for WWE, having current creative input with Lucha Underground, what tips would you have for anyone that's trying to get into that aspect of the WWE as a writer, as a creative writer for any WWE, TNA or anything like that? Uh, gosh, I mean, but it's guess you know, go in there and and, and uh, put your best foot forward. Um, I mean, as far as tips on how to do their job better or how to <laughs> how to make it, how to survive, I mean, because the, the whole whole different can of worms. Uh, you know, especially in the WWE survival, uh, sometimes that weighs, uh, you know, your creative contributions. Um, sometimes relies on you to play politics and to uh, survive that way. <laughs> but uh, if you can do a little bit of both, then you can have a career there. <laughs> um, 
But I, I guess maybe the main thing I would say to somebody you get involved with is, is, you know, be prepared to be disappointed a little bit. Um, you know, everybody comes in on that first day with, the, you know, big bright eyes, so excited, and then when you see them on the last day, uh, they're, they're, they're a little bit different. So, <laughs> I don't know, and, I, and I, I can't really comment on the, what the creative environment is like in, in TNA. Uh, from my understanding, it's pretty cool down there, and, and uh, everybody's pretty chill about how, how things go down, so I, I can't really comment, but yeah, as far as WWE, it's, it's a tough life, and, and uh, a tough lifestyle. I, I don't know if things are set up the same way that they were when I was there, I and mean, when I was there, there was a lot smaller teams of creative writers, where now I heard they have a damn army working for them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know how you find your way in that in that mix or that mess if you are trying to get into it. Or like someone that's like an aspiring writer or like someone that's up and coming, not someone that already has uh, experience in that field. There's something like, um, what would you suggest someone to like a younger person or whatever that was trying to go to school to become a journalist or a creative writer? You know, something like that. Would you have any tips for those kind of people? I, I would go learn the television business. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would learn uh, everything you can about TV because that's really the most important and at the same time, you know, learn your creative writing, write your journalism classes and things like that, but learn how to produce television. And I think you might have a good chance, especially if you got a good head on your shoulders. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day... Keep trying. Never give up. Exactly, exactly. Because at the end of the day, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it is—a television show more so than just press, uh, just pro wrestling. And you would know that you know how far it's evolved into a sports entertainment program as opposed to pro wrestling. That WWE, that is. Um, you know, speaking yeah, specifically I mean, there. You go and work, you know, you go and make your own, you know, book your own set or something like that. That's not necessarily going to get you, get you in the door there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more likely, you're more likely to have an opportunity to get in there if you have some experience in television. And I mean, for me, I've always said, once you get your foot in the door anywhere, you could do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happened to me. I was an intern in the International Television Production Department. I, I got coffee every day uh, for a long time and people lunch and stuff like that. But, you know, I found my way through, uh, you know, in the WWE, I found my way through it, found my way to uh, a much higher role and higher salary eventually. So, I mean, anyone can do it. It's up to put your mind to it, but, but above all, you know, know that this is this is a television show. This is professional business. This it's, it's, it's is a, a large corporation, and, uh, yeah, they want the best. And going back to what you were saying before on Lucha Underground and working with AAA or AAA and Conan and, and you know, people like that, people who obviously yeah. have a lot of experience in the pro wrestling business and, and an eye for talent and a scout and talent scouts and stuff like that. What was the process that you guys went through to pick up the talent that you did and guys like Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma and Phoenix and Mil Mascaras? What was the pro, what was the process you guys had to go through to pick? What, what, what did you look for in these talents in order to bring them into Lucha Underground and say, these are the perfect fit for our promotion? Well, I think it really started, you know, when we were looking at the show, I went and just made a list of people that I would like on my, you know, ideal roster. <laughs> um, and I know that Conan, he, and, 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 and AAA, they had their kind of ideal roster. They had recommended some talents to us. Um, some of that came down to, you know, we wanted young, uh, young talents and at the same time some established ones. Um, them having masks 
the first additional people coming from Mexico is very important. Uh, as far as Johnny's concerned, that was just like, I worked with Johnny a lot at WWE. Um, I knew he lived in LA and uh, had remained friends with him. Um, and we had a lot of uh, fun working together. We did all those dirt sheets and, and, and things like that. Uh, so I always enjoyed my time working with him. So I reached out to John and tried to get him involved. And, uh, you know, he came in and talked to us and I put what we were going to do. And he, uh, he signed on, uh, um, you know, as far as Chavo, I, I had always tr trusted Chavo and uh, always had a good relationship with him. And I knew that, uh, you know, starting this, we would need to have some people of name value. I thought that was important uh, to try to get this show up and running and at the same time help to get over the new talent, new characters um, on the show to, to bump them up against established guys. I thought was was important. I also thought it was cool that if we had this underground Lucha League that, you know, anybody can show up, even even guys who've competed on the largest stage up in the world, um, to come and fight. And, and that was kind of the idea. And that, that's, that's how it went. Um, you know, guys of different shapes, sizes, uh, ability, uh, look, style, it all, it all kind of Kind of into it. One of the things that makes Lucha Underground so unique is that you guys have, unlike, you know, with WWE, you know, your typical pro wrestling is that you guys mix the talent with the women and the men and even the smaller guys, the midgets, whatever you want to call them. Uh, you guys have the, like, the Battle Royales and uh, Eva Leash is a part of them and stuff like that. You mix, you have intergender matches. And it's not yes. something that's special, you know, it's something that's, you know, really not any out of the ordinary for you guys, which is what makes you guys really unique and really cool. Um, what was the mindset behind doing something like that? Well, a lot of it um, stemmed to, you know, watching Lucha Libre in Mexico, there's lots of times where you have a tag team of a, of a, a woman, a mini, uh, a luchador, and an exotico or something like that, <laughs> and they'll compete against the other one. The other, the other part of it was, you know... Uh, you know, Robert's movies always have have featured strong, such strong female characters. So we kind of wanted to make that translate into Lucha Underground. And and our idea behind this was, you know, this is a TV show, and you know, you you watch movies nowadays. You watch The Avengers or or Lucy or what, whatever, and they all have strong ass-kicking, I hate that term sometimes, but, you know, uh, female characters that uh, that that are strong and, and aren't just, you know, there to run around and, and you know, be silly. Girls that can actually fight and go out and want to compete. Mm -hmm. So we thought it'd be uh, a little bit different type of presentation on it. And, uh, you know, you, you play video games today or watch movies, that's, that's how, how they are. <laughs> And also as well, we were talking about before we went live here, is that Lucha Underground tapes out of the same place in Los Angeles. You got That's technically what it is. It's underground wrestling. That's what makes it so unique. The arena, the fans, the passionate, everything about the passionate fan base that makes Lucha Underground so cool and so fun to watch. Um, is there any plans at any point, and I know the, the, the promotion just got started, of course, but are there any plans at any point to do any touring outside of the regular place where you guys tape out of in Los Angeles? I know that there's been talk about doing that. Um, I'm not sure exactly when that will happen. Uh, like you pointed out, we're just getting started. I think our, our 13th episode airs on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we're, <laughs> we're just beginning. So, 
you know, where other companies have been around 10 years, some some 60 years or however long, uh, you know, uh, we are we're in the beginning process, but sure, I think that's that's a goal for everybody is to eventually have that. Uh, that would be awesome. It'd be awesome to bring Lucha Underground all over the world or to you know different places that we get to see these amazing talent. And speaking of goals, what other kind of goals do you guys have for the promotion in the, in the long term, in the, in the short term, and going forward as the, you know as the promotion just kind of gets started, as you were talking about before? I mean, I think our, I mean, for me, uh, my goal is getting better and keep making better shows, uh, and better wrestling shows. Uh, you know, we were joking around the other day saying, you know, we'll probably sit back and watch our first episode and then, you know, our last, our last episode at the end of the season and we'll see a huge difference between it. And, uh, and, and that's been kind of the fun of, of making the show. Um, I also think it's, our goal is to introduce cool characters and things and pay off storylines. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I think in wrestling, uh, at least mainstream wrestling, that doesn't happen so much. <laughs> and, and I always feel like, uh, you know, if you tune in to a show and dedicate your time to it, you need to, at some point, be paid off for investing your time <laughs> in that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a goal. Um, I don't know, I, I would definitely, I guess my other one is to get more people watch this and find it. And, and hopefully, you know, I, I know that the wrestling, you know, community is, is very, very uh, loyal and very social. And, um, Hopefully they continue to spread the word about our show. I, I think I can, you can sense there's a buzz about it. It's just, uh, it's getting more people to find out about, about what we're doing. Oh, absolutely. Like I was saying before, like we were just talking about, it's only just getting started. It's only been around since October, but since then, it's so crazy. People are asking me all the time, are you watching Lucha Underground? Are you watching it? I've been watching since day one. I think it's awesome. It's something very unique, very cool, something out of the ordinary, a lot different, especially at a time with, you know, with all the anger around the WWE product, no matter what they do and whatever, there's always going to be people that are looking for that alternative. And sometimes TNA is not that alternative, although they are the two biggest mainstream wrestling promotions in the U.S., along with Ring of Honor. Sometimes they aren't really that different from one another, and Lucha Underground presents something. You know, it's really something different from what you're typically, you know, going in to see in a pro wrestling show, and it involves that Lucha Libre. And not only that, it's not your typical Lucha Libre show, like we were talking about before. It has a reality spin on it, and it's very well done. You guys got the best talent in the world. It's amazing in some of the matches and angles, and it's only going to keep evolving over time. And it's just like I said before, just crazy to think how far you guys have come in that short period of time. So. I look forward to seeing it progress and you know see and stuff like that and and to getting more eyes on the product like you guys were talking about before it airs Wednesday nights on the El Rey network um, at eight o'clock Eastern time so hopefully more people can check it out but Chris before we let you go um, be sure to spread the word on the Twitter accounts Facebook where people can find you in the show and you know stuff like that anything else you'd like to plug? Yeah, that's it. I mean, follow uh, the show at Lucha El Rey on Twitter. We have also Facebook page, YouTube. Um, and if you want, you can follow me at, at Kristen Joseph. Uh, I, sometimes I'll maybe say something that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm always trying to spread the word about Lucha Underground and, uh, and let people know. I mean, I, I'm a wrestling fan who, who at one point uh, lost my love for wrestling. And Lucha Underground has given me that love back. And I hopefully... Uh, 
we'll give other people that same, same feeling. Uh, and we're doing some things that are more exciting and, and more fun than, than uh, the average show that you'll see. A lot of exciting things coming down the pike, especially with the recent signee. I won't spoil it here, but a lot of great things coming down the pike from what I can sense. I'm looking forward to it. But, Chris, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, man. I thank you for your time. Stay warm out there in, uh, in, in, in Connecticut. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. I'll catch you down the road. Of course. RJ, what's up, brother? Nothing, what's up, man? Nothing much, nothing much. So we're live on the air right now, WrestleRant Radio. I haven't talked to you in about two months, and we were not going to have a show this week due to the snowstorm, but I had to have you on. You're all full of rants on, in regards to the Royal Rumble Raw, so before we get into anything that I had planned to talk about, just going to let you rant away. So what's in your mind? Just, um, like I said, we haven't, talk- we haven't been on the air for like two months around there. I think we had a last show's race with TLC, right? I think it was, right? Yeah, like th- I think the week before TLC, yep. Yeah, TLC was a... Oh, my God. I didn't think TLC was good at all. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I think the only match I really remember that was good was Cena and Rollins, but that was good. And then after, besides that, the paper was pretty bad. And then up to the Royal Rumble, Raw was pretty bad as well. And then, as we all know, Roman Reigns won. I don't know why. so mad still. I think... It was stupid for them to have Brian obviously get out early and then kind of make Reigns look like he was getting rid of all the steals. But it was like Kane, Big Show, um, Russo, like guys that really don't matter. So I, I don't think I don't think that helped him at all. I think the Raw and Cena and Lesnar match was amazing. Um, I think it really showed Seth, what Seth Rollins can bring to the table. Freaking guy was lightning out there. I couldn't even tell you. Like that was one of the best performances I've seen in a while. And then after last night, they're doing the whole Brian versus Reigns at uh, Fastlane, so we'll see what happens there. So in that, on that note, last night, like you said, Triple H making the major announcement that at Fastlane, the winner of the Brian and Rollins match at the end of last night's episode of Raw would advance the Fastlane to face Roman Reigns for the number one contender spot for the WWE World Heavyweight title at WrestleMania. Do you think that this put Roman Reigns' spot in jeopardy? Do you think it might be Daniel Bryan going to WrestleMania instead, or do you think the plans are going to stay as is? I think, honestly, I think they, they might go with Daniel Bryan. I feel like they kind of teased some tension between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns last night with him screwing Reigns, uh, screwing Seth Rollins to go on to face him at Fastlane. It easily have him seeing Seth Rollins screwing Roman Reigns at Fastlane and then having him versus uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I could see that happen. Do you think they could throw Dean Ambrose in there as well? They could, but... I think if they have him win the IC title, then it wouldn't make sense if he was in it. But True, they, yeah. I think Rollins and uh, Reigns are above the IC title right now, considering that, yeah. Yeah, considering one's Mr. Money in the Bank, too, and one of them was just yeah. the, the title match at Royal Rumble. WrestleMania is like fight for the championship, so I don't think they're going to give him uh, any IC title matches recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looked like last night in the episode of Raw, in the main event between Brian and Rollins, Everyone was buzzing about the return of Randy Orton. It looked like there was a yeah, picture going around. Picture that, I saw the picture on your Twitter feed. Yeah, it, like, it looked oh like Randy God, Orton, didn't it? Yeah, 
I thought that was going to be the perfect moment to have him return, and he didn't. This is like the fifth or sixth time, because I thought he was going to come back at Survivor Series, TLC, Royal Rumble, last week on SmackDown, Raw last week. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, it's ridiculous. What, I'm so annoyed. What do you think the deal is with Randy Orton? What do you think is coming back? I think that, I don't know, I saw someone say, I think it was on Bleach Report, it might have been on Twitter, but they're saying that they somehow that maybe Seth Rollins can weasel himself into the match at Fastlane, and then maybe... Randy only comes out and screws him of winning the match, and then he fights Rollins at WrestleMania. I think Rollins versus Randy Owens is a match that's inevitable. It's been teased for a while since they kicked him out of authority. I think Randy Owens pretty much just rests up Rollins in today's day and age, Randy Owens. The guy that really like, was molded by Triple H, and now he's like the future. Like They kind of portrayed Randy Owens. So I think Rollins versus Owens at WrestleMania could be a classic and could get that'd be a nice rub for Seth Rollins to get over it. Uh, the Viper at WrestleMania. It's a nice upper mid-card match, because like you said, it makes exactly. sense. It's a match that he doesn't need a title, and it can just draw money. Exactly. It's a match. It makes sense. The match itself could be great. We saw a taste of that a couple months ago. The night that Orton got kicked out of authority, they had that match on Raw, and Rollins won clean, which was great. But um, yeah, they had a really good match that night, and that match is pretty much set in stone for WrestleMania. So what other matches do you see kind of taking place um, as WrestleMania 31 draws near? because you mentioned before that they might do Bree versus, versus Nikki, which has been, they've been teasing that for a while, but with Bree's heel turn and everything else, it's kind of up in the air right now. I saw some people um, making up the idea or kind of fantasy booking here that at WrestleMania you do the Bella Twins versus Paige and a returning AJ Lee. Could you see that happening? I could see that happening. Um, or a fatal four-way? A fatal four-way, that'd be good. Yeah. I, yeah, like you said, Yeah, yeah. I think at this point it's probably just best to keep them as the Bell Twins as a faction as opposed to them feuding because that didn't go too well. But then they had a good feud going and then they ruined it by turning your heel. I don't really know what to expect from them going forward, but we'll have to wait and see. But you mentioned the Bray Wyatt thing too, which is really interesting because this has been rumored for months now. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, but it really started to you know come to fruition a couple of weeks ago on Raw. I think last week on SmackDown when Bray Wyatt cut that promo saying that he's, he doesn't fear anything that's living or dead, and it was kind of pushed um, really heavily last night on Raw, and Wade, Bray Wyatt has been getting all these victories over Dean Ambrose, over Dolph Ziggler got a clean win over last night, So and Daniel Bryan a couple weeks ago on Raw, so they're really pushing Bray Wyatt. Do you think that Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker 
is going to happen at WrestleMania, and do you want to see it happen at WrestleMania? I think that it's going to happen at WrestleMania. I think it should happen. I just the thing is, I feel like if he doesn't wrestle Undertaker, what they're going to do with him? I think it's kind of one of those things where they kind of have to have Undertaker come back because if they don't have Undertaker come back, then who's he going to fight? Like Dolph Ziggler again? Like mm-hmm. there's not that many other faces that he could wrestle against. I think they're kind of pushing him as one of the topper heels with Seth Rollins. So. I think Undertaker makes sense. Obviously, people want to see Sting and Undertaker, but I think they'll wait till WrestleMania 32 to do that in Texas because it's going to be probably the most attendance they've ever had. They can easily fit 100,000 people there. Mm-hmm. That's just a marquee match that people definitely would buy. Yeah, I was speaking with someone just recently in that, like at the night after WrestleMania or at WrestleMania itself, you could do something like a Cena Rock and you can set up that match one year in advance or whatever else. Yeah, never- and, you know, just do something like that. Like you said, they need to fill 100,000 seats, so they need some big matches for that show. Um, so that should be pretty cool. But you mentioned Dolph Ziggler, and there's been a lot of rumors recently in regards to what he's going to be doing at WrestleMania. And they heavily teased last week over Twitter and on SmackDown and the Nap video. I didn't see it, but um, Dolph Ziggler versus Daniel Bryan. Now, do you think if Bryan loses at Fastlane that we could see that match at, at WrestleMania between Ziggler and Bryan? Yeah, I think we could see that. I think, just like very why I think, Without um, them actually fighting against each other, I don't see anything really for Daniel Bryan or Dolph Ziggler right now. Um, I think they're kind of like when I was making my predictions for WrestleMania, I kind of had trouble putting like it was between like if I didn't have Cena versus Rusev, I think that like him, Bryan, Ziggler, and Ambrose, I was like, what are they going to do with these guys? I think if not have Bryan in the championship match and make perfect sense to put against Ziggler, they could have one hell of a match. Another upper mid card match that's not for anything, just a good match. Two guys that can put on a show. Just another match that doesn't need a real like title or purpose or behind it. I think it could be a great opener, too. I don't know how they'll you know, structure it storyline-wise. Maybe they just want to steal the show like they were talking about on Twitter last week. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, it's going to be a great match regardless. It wouldn't change its place on the card. Like, if we were going to get Brian versus Sheamus again, it would be in that same place. I mean, there's really no change there. It's only... Yeah, uh, I don't really want to see uh, Brian and Sheamus again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, both matches would be great, but... Brian versus Ziggler is something new. It's something fresh. We've seen Sheamus versus Brian at WrestleMania twice before, so that's not really something we need to see again. And one of them was 18 seconds. Uh, exactly. And one of them was a dark match. So I don't have I don't have much faith that they'll do it right this time. And uh, with that being said, you mentioned some of the other matches. Miz and Mizdow, their storyline has been really interesting the last couple of weeks only in that uh, just last night on Raw, Miz firing Damian Sandow as his stunt double and now his personal assistant kind of doing the Alex Riley deal from a couple years ago. Do you think, well, we already kind of established they'll probably be facing each other at WrestleMania, but what are your thoughts on that angle so far? I think that's been teasing for a while. Like, obviously, Miz is getting pissed off that Miz Dow keeps getting more attention than he is, so I feel like I knew eventually that he's going to turn. I think, I think they were going to wait more to WrestleMania season to try to like, get another match. It's not just a throwaway, something that you actually work with. I think Miz and Miz Dow would be a great match. I think they could ruin it from the pre-show because I don't think it's that big of a buy that people... I think more people want to see like, the Dust Brothers fight than obviously Miz and Miz Dow, but mm-hmm. I think it's a match that's fresh. Like it's a fresh match that people can get invested in because they obviously want to see Miz Dow finally get over that hump of being like a second-tier guy. I think he could easily make a run with a U.S. title or IC title right now, I think. People want to see him succeed after like that long run of him doing nothing, being like all those people that those couple months like Vince McMahon, the space, the space man, like <laughs> all those random costumes he used to wear. 
Yeah, I think he could be over as a singles guy when he eventually <laughs> breaks away from the stunt double, the, you know, from the Miz, and I think he could be, you know, a pretty solid mid card or what he should have been coming out of the Muster Money in the Bank cash in. But that's another story for another day. But you mentioned the Rhodes brothers. Now it was almost a year ago that we were talking about this matchup happening. This has been a rumored WrestleMania match for I don't even know how many years, twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, right. It's been crazy long, and now it looks like we might finally be getting that matchup. But I wouldn't hold my breath because we were thinking the same thing last year and we didn't get it. After WrestleMania, even and they broke away, and he's turning to Stardust, all this other bullshit. But do you think it's it's finally going to happen this year? And do you think um, they're going to turn Goldust heel or babyface, or do you think they're going to turn Stardust babyface and turn him back into Cody Rhodes? What are your thoughts on that? I hope they just turn Cody Rhodes back to uh, Stardust back to Cody Rhodes and have him as a face, and then have him against Goldust with heel. I think Cody Rhodes would be another fresh face that we haven't seen in a while. Like other guys like Sheamus or Ziggler to go heel or Dean Ambrose, so I think they have other guys that can turn heel because they need really good heel. I don't think Cody Rhodes is heel, but I think if they switch Cody Rhodes with face, they switch a topper guy, top tier guy to heel. So kind of like mix up the heels and faces. It'd be a nice way of Goldust putting over Cody on his way out, too, because it looks like his in-ring career is winding down. He's done a hell of a job over the last year and a half, but it'd be a match, a, a nice fitting match for Goldust to close out his career on, give Cody Rhodes that nice rub. And they teased it last night, too, in that backstage segment, which was really encouraging, where he called him Cody, and he said, don't ever call me that. So the storyline might be that he's trying to turn him back into Cody Rhodes or something like that, but I'm looking forward to where they go with it. And like you said when we were talking over text last night, Hopefully they don't waste it at Fastlane. I don't think they will. Um, I don't have much faith in this company. They might throw it away in a Fastlane pre-show match, but we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully not, but uh, that, that's, that could be a nice undercard match for WrestleMania. But also in the time that we haven't talked over the last two months, we talked about TLC, Rumble, everything else going on right now. But also going on right now, we, we failed to talk about the TakeOver special back in December, which was phenomenal. So I'm going to get your thoughts on that before we move forward to the next live special next week. What were your thoughts on the last live special in December? Uh, the, last, I think, the, last, the last live special was uh, Power Evolution, right? Yep. Yeah, Zane Neville. Zane Neville versus uh, Sami Zayn with one title match. We saw the debut of uh, Kevin Owens. Yep. That kind of twist in that first. He was kind of baby faced. BFCJ Parker and then came out and then turned on uh, Sami Zayn, but mm-hmm. uh, they go to Tim and Kenny Otani beat the bench in a good match. Charlotte and Banks have been getting a title match too. Uh, yeah, that was a great match. Charlotte Banks uh, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte for the title. That was a really good match. It's Triple H saying last night in the podcast about how NXT kind of gives the kids more time to work as he was down there. He was so much time to like showcase, showcase what they have and they actually know that they have potential and stuff like that. Yeah. And what's the, the next next one, the next uh, takeover is next week, right? Yeah, I think it's called, just confirmed yesterday, I think it's called NXT TakeOver Rival or something like that. But yeah, it's next Wednesday. Yeah, and then it's uh, Daniel Owens, Charlotte, Banks, Bailey, and Becky Lynch, and then the only match, other match I see here is Bellore and Neville. Yep. Is that happening? It's, uh, it's, I have it right here. It just says matches. Neville and Bellore. Oh, match. okay. Oh, that's spoilers for this upcoming week's episode of NXT. Oops, because they haven't done the tournament yet. That's probably why. Oops. Well. Oh, well. <laughs> the match will be great, though. I'm looking forward to it. The wrestling against anyone is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fresh match. Yeah. 
Say that again? I think the last time I watched it, it was Neville versus uh, Tyson Kidd. Yep. And the Tommy, who the fuck did he wrestle? I think it was Breeze. Yeah, I think he beat Breeze. There's Yeah, what are your thoughts on Tyler Breeze? What do you think? Where do you think he's going going forward? mentioned Solomon Crow, and it was kind of confirmed last week on NXT that it's, his debut is pending, finally, after all this time, he's finally going to be coming to NXT. I don't know if it's going to be the next live special or when it's going to be, but what are your thoughts on the debuting Solomon Crow? I haven't really, seen anything much on him. I know he's just another indie guy. Um, I think, like I said, with all the indie guys that we've seen come over, NXT lost year, even year alone with Seth Rollins, Amber, uh, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Atami, Finn Balor, Peter Neville. We've seen so many guys over the years that come from independent therapy. I think, I think I'd rather see a guy come from independent that actually knows what they're doing and that they actually wrestle. I think, obviously, a guy like Roman Reigns, you start from the bottom and kind of like lead him to like the Super Cena booking that really doesn't have a background in wrestling. So I think these guys obviously been wrestling for long enough that they know how to put on a great show. So I think. I really like how to bring in more indie guys that actually know what they're doing. Kind of like a new crop of wrestlers instead of these old guys like Curtis Axel and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. What were your thoughts on Curtis Axel? He recently came back to NXT, his last two matches. I mean, they weren't bad, but the guy's failing to, to connect with the crowd. Do you think his time is up? Time's coming up, I think. I think a guy like Tyson Kidd benefited off going to NXT. I think he's better than he was before. I think he needs that look, but kind of like kicking the ass like get down there and like you know work your way back up and I think he's kind of like finally showed what he has to like, bring to WWE I think Curtis Axe is one of those guys that's like they kind of he just can't they can't just repackage him again they repackage him so many damn times mm-hmm. I know he's just so bland and I think he's a guy that was just kind of like Jeff Gabriel kind of like treading water I think Gabriel had more potential than Axel ever did but and I traded water for a while and then eventually just couldn't do anything with it anymore. I think setting him down NXT is just whatever. It's going to be the best for him now. It's like, you know, superstars every week. Well, that was another news item that kind of surfaced over Royal Rumble weekend that got buried underneath everything that happened at the Royal Rumble and the snowed out Raw and everything else. The uh, quitting, the, the the release of Justin Gabriel, he left the company over Royal Rumble weekend. Nothing too notable. It wasn't like it was a mid-card. The guy hasn't really been on TV at all. Like you said, he's been marginalized, he's been floundering on Superstars NXT main event for years now, so it wasn't that big of a shock, but what were your thoughts on Justin Gabriel, and are you sad to see him go? I was actually, <laughs> I was actually a big fan of Justin Gabriel when he came out in the first NXT, 
I always like the high flyers and guys like that that can put on a show. And I think he's pretty much limited. Like I said, I said this earlier on Twitter that he's pretty much limited without uh, the cruiserweight championship. He's a guy that like smaller, so it's not like most guys like that don't get over. He's not the greatest worker. He's not the greatest worker. He's not that a ring technician really. But I think if they had a cruiserweight championship, other guys would have more chance. I think he kind of was. Never going to get an IC title, maybe tag team champion to be just make shift of the team and put them together. But I think he did what he wanted, thought it was better for him and just leave and just go to independence and work like that. I was thinking shortly after he quit, do you think they could have had, he could have had a longer, more longevity in WWE? Do you think they could have done more with him had he been the one to break away from the Nexus or the core or whatever it was years ago when people were really reacting to that 450 splash? He was like one of the group's shining members. Do you think they could have done more of them coming out of that group? I think he had more potential than what they really gave. I think besides Barrett, who's probably one of the other, he was one of the other big person coming out of the uh, Nexus to Dan Bryan was in it. I'm trying to think of other guys like Otunga, Tarver, Slater, Skip Sheffield, obviously they repackaged mm-hmm. him, and then Darren Young. So I think besides Barrett, I think he was the second guy in command that people thought would be like the next up and coming guy. I think they they hit the head with the kid in uh, Gabriel tag team. They just never got off. No one really gave a reaction to him. I think it was kind of, they just were sick of Justin Gabriel, really. And Tyson Kidd, then they put him down to XT and then never didn't work out either. So, yeah, they got to cut ties, I guess. Yeah, I mean, at that point, there was really not much more they could do with him as of a couple months ago. They weren't, I mean, he was he was a jobber for life at that point. I think the real time to push him was coming out of the Nexus when he was over with the crab with the 450. I mean, he was like, not the exact equivalent to Evan Bourne, but a lot, like on that level and that people really only cared about his finishing maneuver, but and he didn't really have great, the, the best of Mike skills, but he did have some charisma and he was really good in the ring, but... Like I said, it was kind of a shame they never really did more with them coming out of the Nexus core or whatever back in 2010-2011. It was, he was damaged goods by the time he was cut loose, so it really wasn't that big yeah. of a shock, like I mentioned before. But um, you mentioned earlier the Stone Cold, uh, the, the Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin Triple H podcast last night on Monday Night Raw or after Monday Night Raw. What were your thoughts on the podcast? I thought it was great. I want to get your thoughts on it. I thought the podcast was really good. I thought, obviously, they don't want to go break so pretty much tell it how it is and I'm really going to like do a storyline standpoint but um, I thought it was really good I think they could easily have another one I kind of I kind of wish they talked more about present day they only really talked about Roman Reigns really they didn't really get out of the Roman Reigns category then they talked about like them and the attitude era together so they really didn't get too far into in depth now I like how they talked about NXT how it's pretty much Triple H's baby and that he likes how he can control and like he knows who is uh Target market is even said like young young adult males that people are gonna the hardcore fans that want to watch NXT there for the wrestling, not like storylines and stuff like that. So he obviously knows who's marketing to and stuff like that. And then I think I wish he um, said that they asked the question was like who's Cena, next Cena, Hogan, or some cool. He kind of said instead of saying someone like shit up, he was like ah. Uh, there's plenty of guys like I could see becoming the next like star, but I wish he actually said someone. And then the only person I remember who said anything about NXT was Finn Balor, and he was saying like how New Japan uh, pro wrestling. He was like, he didn't really know much. He just said go out, go out in the turn and just wrestle. And now he knows like all like the cameras and the entrances and promo work and stuff like that with Triple H. 
Yeah, that was interesting. I liked how he went in depth with NXT and how it was his baby and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, he mentioned Finn Balor by name, but it really is his baby. And the way that he's taken over over the last couple of years has been, you know, great to see it evolve, for lack of a better term. But um, one of the biggest talking points coming out of the podcast, and we talked about this over text a couple hours ago, was the China WWE Hall of Fame uh, incident and whatever else, why she already isn't in. I personally think that she is deserving, like Triple H said. But um, I do agree with the sentiment that because of what she has done in the past with her porn career and everything else, that she might not ever be in the WWE Hall of Fame, or at least anytime soon. And China went on to Twitter um, shortly thereafter, responding that she would love to go into the Hall of Fame, and um, she has no issues with WWE. She tried to contact them. They haven't responded back. But she also put a video out on YouTube back in like late 2014, a couple months ago, bashing Stephanie McMahon. So there's kind of some hard feelings there probably. But what were your thoughts on the whole China conversation last night in the podcast? Uh, when I first started talking about China, I forgot all about that. She had that morning career. But then Triple H obviously made like, the thing like, I want my kid like, type in China. And then comes up and that she was pornography and stuff like that. But I think... They kind of, like, obviously that's not, obviously not, it's not against the law, obviously, but I think, obviously it's a, a choice that she made, and obviously it's not looked upon by the fans, but they way people in the Hall of Fame have career criminal records being arrested and stuff like that, I don't know how they can really avoid her out of being in it just because she did porn. I think she should be in the Hall of Fame. She's one of the breakout divas in the early, late 90s, I think. Obviously, it's choice wasn't the greatest, but there's other people like that have been like Kevin Nash. The, he's been, or not Kevin Nash. Scott Hall is the biggest drug addict in every history, and people tend to Scott Hall and see that he's a meth addict or whatever the hell drug he was ever on cocaine, and he's killed a guy. Like, can't really like what you can't really spread it out. Like, kind of like way you're off. And I don't think her choice is worse than him getting arrested and being a drug addict or all his. Do you think it's a case that if they wait long enough that she'll be eligible to go into the Hall of Fame, or do you think it's like a Benoit situation that she will probably never go in? I think they'll wait a little bit. I don't think, I don't think she should even compare close to the Benoit situation. Obviously, the big wrestler wrestling killed his family. I think that's totally different. I think if you her decision she made was 10 times less than what he did. I think she definitely should be in. I think they need to just relax. I think in due time, especially given how close she was to Triple H and the rest of D-Generation X years ago and an, an integral part of history and whatever else, um, I, I do think that she will be in over time, especially if Triple H is in charge. I mean, I don't know if it's a Vinnie Mac issue, like a Vince McMahon issue or whatever else. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like we were talking about, like you mentioned, why they didn't mention Rick Rude. Like that would have been cool if they talked about that. And uh, Rick Rude is a part of D-Generation X back in the day. Not one of the most prominent members, but he was a part of the group. And he had an iconic career that belongs in the Hall of Fame. But um, I think like... I think guys like Luger and Rick Rude, because they left the company in the fashion they did for WCW and never came back, um, I think because they quote-unquote betrayed Vince McMahon when they jumped ship in the Monday Night Wars, maybe that's why they never really are in the Hall of Fame right now. Do you think that these people like Rude, maybe even a China, that's kind of stretching it, kind of stretching it, um, a Rick Rude, a Lex Luger, a China, might be in the Hall of Fame when Triple H eventually takes over? I think, I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Rick's and uh, like they should have already been in the Hall of Fame. They both had a solid careers, and they did much for both both companies. Like, I think they should be in the Hall of 
funny guys that never even wrestled with that in the Hall of Fame, but I think Vince is still sour with the fact that they lost. But it is what it is, and I think once Triple H, Triple H gets control of the company, those guys are going. He's like, does that? He just tossed DX stuff like that. So I think Triple H, like you said, about he's, he even said last night that he's not there to burn bridges with people and stuff like that. He's not there with grudges. He's just let people in, and he's not at all about like the grudges and all this stuff against people from their past. So. Well, speaking of that, too, another interesting part of the podcast was when he was talking about CM Punk, obviously not going as in-depth as, as Vince McMahon did a couple of months ago. I didn't expect him to, but it was nice to hear, because, you know, when this whole CM Punk thing first developed, of course, like over a year ago, we wouldn't really get the full story until all three parties talked that were in the room, like Paul Heyman said, CM Punk, Triple H, and Vince McMahon. Then now, as of now, all three guys have now talked. Triple H a little less than the other two, but he still talked about and addressed it. Um, do you think his response to the CM Punk situation was genuine? And do you think those two will ever quote unquote bury the hatchet at some point in time and allow CM Punk to come back to the company? I think yeah, I think it seemed pretty genuine. I think, like you said, I think that uh, he came off and said that they didn't think they really had any heat together. Um, I, I think he he stated that Punk really is not great communicating and stuff like that, I think that obviously could lead to this, this uh, disturbing of certain stuff. They were saying that before he even made it to WWE that Punk was pissed because he was an OVW and Triple H. I didn't even know who he was, so he took that, like, deep, I guess, or took that as, like, an insult or something like that. He said he honestly just didn't know who he was. I think that Triple H, like you said, I think he said this. Punk's ready to come back whenever. I think the door's open. I think Triple H won't hold grudges like that. And if Punk ever wants to come back, I think the door's wide open. You mentioned before they could have talked a little bit more about the present day aside from the whole Ray Rumble, Roman Reigns stuff and you know that kind of stuff and less about the Attitude Era and um, were, there, were there any other aspects of the of the podcast that you would have heard more from that you wanted to hear more from Triple H other, other things, other topics you wanted them to address? No, not really. I just wanted to talk more about NXT and more about like the future guys who sees like coming up now besides Roman. They only really focus on Roman Reigns really so I wish you talked about Seth Rollins and like Dean Ambrose more, Bray Wyatt, other guys that are coming up in the company. I wish he didn't just focus really on Roman Reigns. I thought it was cool that when Stone Cold asked him what he would change about the current product or the current landscape of WWE, and that he said, I wish Raw was two hours, which is a sentiment shared by everybody. So what were your thoughts on that when he said that? I think he said it, he said it, I don't know how hard it is to book a three-hour show, which Mm -hmm. I I think that's why they always go over the same damn content and just the same stuff, I always get the same matches, what you got to do, you have to fill three hours of time and... That's it. I feel like, also like how, I also like how he kind of said that like, obviously people like get pissed off that Roman Reigns wins, but the WWE's an open book that the chapters keep unfolding as the years go on, like, stuff changes as, like, I don't know, I think, I think he like, he like, took the situation and said it perfectly, like, obviously people are pissed that trip and Roman Reigns is gonna go over, or like, won the Royal Rumble, but like, WWE is always changing, it's never like an end of a book, it just keeps, and chapters keep being developed and stuff like that, so people need to, like, relax and get over it and, like, stuff will, it's not always going to be, like, cemented that it's, he's, like, the top guy. I don't know, I just think, I like the way he, like, defended his, their decision stuff like that, honestly. 
Yeah, he has a great mindset. He has a great mind for the business, and the way that he addressed a lot of the questions and what Stone Cold was talking about was really interesting. I loved a lot of the uh, the content and what they were talking about between the two, two of the best minds in the wrestling business. But we were talking about this earlier. Who else would you like to see on Stone Cold's podcast, or if they were to bring in Jericho's podcast, JR, I doubt it, but still, stuff like that. Who else would you want to see interviewed um, going forward on the WWE Network? The two people I'd want to see, we talked about this earlier, I'd want to see The Undertaker, and I'd want to see John Cena. I think both guys would, well, we kind of talked about this earlier, but kind of get it out of your own words. What would you want to see both guys talk about specifically? Undertaker, I think he, I don't know what Undertaker really thought. They always talk about the streak and his old, his career and all of this, the evolution of the Undertaker character from like the Dead Man to the American Badass, back to the Dead Man. And then I guess like his leadership, like they always talk about how it's such a big like, locker room guy really was when he was uh, wrestling earlier and like his days Triple H always kept bringing back about uh, Undertaker so I think they'd always talk about that how he thinks the new crop of superstars will be how their locker room is and then you know, I think they would just talk about his career over the time why went like have they ever thought of him going heel like what scenario did they pitch to him like maybe going heel did he ever see himself going heel stuff like that with Cena yeah like, I think the new like top guy could be after he's kind of leaving or listing his role. Yeah, what what his years on the on his career would be and his timetable for when he thinks he's going to wrap it up, you know, stuff like that. I think would be would be really great to hear from John Cena. Anything, pretty much with Undertaker, I think anything what he talks about is going to be interesting because I don't think we have ever really seen Undertaker in such an environment where he's being asked questions like that, as you know, as candid as Stone Cold has asked Triple H and and Vince McMahon. So um, if they can get him to do it, I think it'd be great. And it's not. I mean, I mentioned to you before that it would be highly unlikely, and I do think it is. But there is a chance of it happening, if only because in the interviews that we've seen with Triple H and Vince McMahon, they've kind of obviously it's not kayfabe. They said themselves last night on the show that kayfabe is dead. But um, they've broken character. They've taught. They, they've called him by his real name, Mark, which I thought was interesting. Um, so it's not really out of the realm of possibility. And as Undertaker wraps up his career, um, there is you know some chance of of us seeing that down the line. It could make for huge numbers for the WWE Network. But um, you know, one quick note here before we wrap it up. Last night of the Royal Rumble, or last week, last Sunday, Bubba Day, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, um, Bully Ray from TNA, making his grand WWE return. What were your thoughts on that? And do you th- do you see him sticking around? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was going to see Bob Ray back in, uh, the WWE. I was more excited when I saw the Boogeyman, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no Boogeyman. You know, like, I, I remember the Boogeyman so much. I don't know. Bob Ray was kind of, like, getting the water. I saw, like, he, really was kind of, like, dying down when I started watching wrestling, and then he went off on his own. He never was really the best singles guy. And then him and Bob, uh, him and Diva both left. But I loved the Boogeyman, so I thought it was wicked funny when the Boogeyman came out. But I also thought it didn't really, like, help. I could see that happening. I think there's a bigger chance of them reuniting Team 3D or the Dudley Boys, whatever, in WWE as opposed to Bubba Ray being brought back as a heel guy, as a singles guy, or as Bully Ray, because as much as some people want to see that, and I would love to see it, I think it could be great, but as I've said time and time again, I don't think it would fly 
in the current as the. Yeah, I don't think it would work in the PG product of WWE because at least in TNA, I mean, say what you will about the company, but at least they gave him no limits as far as where they or as far as where he can go with his character. And how everything is so scripted and so minuscule with WWE and everything has to be um, exactly the way they want it. I don't think it would go and, and fly in WWE. I would love to see them try it out, but I just don't see it happening. But um, yeah, it, it should be cool if they, you know, if they can come to an agreement with WWE, sign a Legends deal or something like that. It'd be great to see him both and Devon back in WWE. So. On that note, brother, thanks for coming on the show. Always appreciate it. But even though we're on the phone, as always, going to allow you to do your the, your shout-outs, your shameless plugs, anything you got for us. And, uh, I always love a shout-out here to Cam. Not Jeff. Jeff's not here with us anymore, so no Jeff. Um, Molly, Jamie, Sus. And if I didn't say your name too bad, um, at Raymond underscore Marshall on Twitter, at Russell Rant, um, at uh, Nessera.weavers.com. I think that's what it is. Or .net. I think it's Nessera Wrestling.net now, people. I think they changed it. Um, besides that, it's off the gram. <laughs> Sounds good, man. So hopefully we'll be back to being live next week if the snow holds up and we don't get canceled again. But, um... Yeah, it's, it's our fourth snow day in the last week. It's absolutely ridiculous here in the Northeast right now, but... Hopefully we'll be back to next week and we'll talk about our NXT takeover predictions with Fastlane coming up WrestleMania, so it should be cool. So I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for coming on. See you, man. Thanks once again to RJ and Chris for joining me for a great show here today, especially to Chris. Had an awesome interview, great time talking to him, really cool guy. So like I mentioned earlier when I was talking to him, if you're not already watching Lucha Underground Wednesday night's El Rey Network, you can follow them on Twitter, Lucha El Rey, at Chris Joseph on Twitter. Um, it's a great program I've been watching since day one. Definitely go check it out. Definitely worth your time. It's really awesome stuff. Definitely different than anything you'll see in WWE or TNA. But um, like I mentioned earlier, we should be back on track for next Tuesday, February 10th, um, to go back live on EC Radio at live365.com backslash stations backslash ECTV73. So in the meantime, in the between time, you guys can find me on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Graham Jesus and Matthews, nextairwrestling.weebly.com where you listen to the show right now. The only place where you can listen to WrestleRant Radio and catch my reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Impact, Main Event, Superstars, all the pay-per-views, some other stuff thrown in there, um, some exclusive columns, John Stargan, who I talked to last week, a lot of great stuff on the website. If you want to check that out, and um, all the back issues, all the back editions of WrestleRant Radio dating back to October of 2013, if you want to listen to all the old episodes of this show. So in the meantime, folks, have a great week, and we'll speak to you guys next Tuesday. Thanks again for listening.